0: Often ask the question among ourselves as we talk and fellowship. Uh, we say, "Where would we be without God's church?" It's such a thought-provoking question. You know, what have we learned since coming into God's church? Well, at age 14, on a beautiful Sunday picnic, we were brand new attending God's church. In 1965, my first uh, opportunity to play softball with uh, some of the adults and others. And I missed a fly ball. We were playing and, and practicing and whatnot. And, uh, you know, uh, I missed the ball, and I, I said a, a, a word or a phrase. And I won't repeat that phrase, but it was a euphemism. I don't know if it was, well, I don't want to say, but it was something close to, oh, gosh darn it, you know. And the deacon that was right next to me, and I didn't know he was a deacon, but he was a deacon. He said, you shouldn't say that. And I said, what do you mean I shouldn't say? What was wrong with that? And he said, well, that's a euphemism. And I thought, a euphemism who? But, you know, a euphemism is a mild form of cursing and swearing and using profanity. And uh, from that moment on, you know, I began to work on not using euphemisms. And uh, watch out, because I had a slew of them, you know, and and I would say them every so often. Now, my parents would uh, say the real thing, you know, and only they wouldn't say, they never said uh, the G.D. or anything like that, but they would say, they would use the term, well, we're a family. Okay, I can say hell's bells, right? That's, that's what they would use. And one, at age five, my mom said that word in the car and I repeated it. And my dad stopped the car and he said, you shouldn't say that. Well, you said it, you know, and, uh, that was before we were in the church. So it was just common to use certain terms and words. And, but when we came into the church, we had to make some changes. And it may seem kind of uh, naive in one sense or kind of, you know, uh, uh, how can we say, immature whatever you want, how you want to phrase it. But we were new in the church. We didn't know uh, any better, and we were learning. We were learning a lot of things, and we were learning uh, among many things also, how to pray. Not only clean up our language, but also how to pray. Uh, during our beginning, you know, uh, we didn't know how to pray. We had no clue. And uh, the ministry, when we came into God's church, they spoke with boldness. It was like we do in Living Church of God. And uh, what a difference between that and the church that we had come out of. And, uh, you know, they pastor was very mild and, uh, you know, you would barely ever remember anything he said. But in God's church, wow, uh, the ministry spoke with great power and authority in speaking from God's word. It was so refreshing. And then we learned that there was a way to pray. Uh, you know, that was so enlightening. Where would we be without God's church? And it's a good topic, a good thought to think about from time to time. Uh, during our beginning, we learned about God's commandments. We learned about how to pray. Jesus Christ said, when you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven. Oh, wow. You know, we, we would recite this at the end of the service in our former uh, church that we went to. And we would all say it like rote, you know, and it would be like a, um, a Gregorian chant, you know, the whole congregation, our Father who art in heaven. And it would go on like that. And we would give time for the pastor to run up outside the building and get to the front gate before, I mean, the front door before before everybody had concluded. And then we'd wait a few minutes and then exit the building and shake the pastor's hand, you know, this is prior to coming into God's church, of course. And anyway, that was the sum total that we knew. And I knew now I name me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to take. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul. Well, anyway, I get it all mixed up now. <laughs> but the bottom line is that's all I knew. And my parents, that's how they taught me. But then we came into God's church and we learned about The real meaning of our Father who art in heaven, the model prayer, hallowed be your name. You know, it's so important to understand God's name. We have a commandment in the scriptures about the name of God. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Be careful. You know how we use it. It's an interesting story here in Numbers the 20th chapter, Numbers 20, and Like I said, I think about the church in terms of where would I be without God's church. I wouldn't know these things. I wouldn't know anything without basically the education and the learning and the teaching that your church has provided me. And another thing, too, brethren, is when I come here to headquarters, I want you to know that the brethren look up to you. They look up to headquarters as you, I'm sure you realize that, you are shining lights to the field, and we look to headquarters. It is such a blessing to have headquarters and to have Mr. Weston and the team here encouraging us out on the field. And really, um, it's beyond words to describe. We're so grateful and so thankful and when I come here, I come like we're family. We're all family. You know, when, when I uh, was transferred from Texas to Atlanta, you uh, you walk, you get out of the car into the parking lot, and I, I, there was a person there, and they gave me a hug. And then when I got to the front door, they gave me a hug. And then when I got into the building, they gave me a hug in Atlanta. They're, the, they're one of the huggingest churches. And then on the way out, They gave me a hug before I left. They gave me a hug when I got into the parking lot. And and like it's not, I got one before I got in the car. You know, we're family. And the more that we're in God's church, it seems like the closer we're coming together. The unity, the bond, that love, it's just amazing. And that's how I feel when I come here. I have uh, several brothers, two of which were in the Navy. And their memories are their time on the submarine. That was uh, they went on in the navy. And um, anyway, they have these memories of that short period of time, the camaraderie that they had. But it's over. It's done with. They're in their 80s now. That's all in the past. That's a distant memory. They never get together with their uh, buddies that they had on the submarine or serving in the in the navy. But brethren, we're in God's church. We have this camaraderie forever. It is just awesome and it's wonderful. Our fellowship, our love for one another never goes away. And here we are learning more about God's way of life and specifically how we can hallow God's name and what God name, what God's name really means or how we can understand it and at least understand how to respect it more. Here in Numbers, the twentieth chapter, it's kind of an interesting story. This, uh, the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Sin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried. So this was the second time that this instant, this uh, occasion would occur, where Moses would come up, and the children of Israel would be thirsty, and they needed water. They would complain. And uh, so this is the second time that this occurred, and uh, anyway, they complained. And why have you brought us up out of the land of Egypt and to bring us here? You know, didn't we, we, we left all those figs and vines and pomegranates, and there's no water here. So Moses and Aaron, verse 6 of chapter 20, And Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the rod, you and your brothers and Aaron, gather the assembly together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded them, and Moses said to Aaron, Moses and Aaron, excuse me, gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said to them, "Here now, you rebels! Must we bring water out, uh, bring water for you out of this rock?" Then Moses lifted his hand, struck the rock twice with his rod, and the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their animals drank. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron because, and, and Aaron, and he said, "Because you did not believe me." "...to hallow, my, hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them." You know, God forgave them of their sin. But you see, this was certainly a bad example, and there was this consequence. In verse 24, "...Aaron shall be gathered to his people, for he shall not enter the land which I have given to the children of Israel." Because you rebelled against my word at the waters of Meribah. Well, it is a a treatise, a lesson for all of us to learn from, that carrying God's name, using God's name, doing what God has commanded us to do, and being sure that we hallow his name, especially when we think about coming before God in prayer, that we are to hallow god's name and we're not to take god's name in vain and uh, this really shows how important it is and it's a lesson for all of us and certainly the children of israel realize you read in deuteronomy the 32nd chapter that moses still would not be allowed to go into the land of promise he could see it but not go in so what does it mean to hallow god's name the title of this sermon is hallow god's name And helpful Bible study helps. We find in uh, the booklet on prayer, uh, 12 Keys to More Effective Prayer, and also Dr. Meredith's booklet on the Ten Commandments. He discusses this very thing. And it's tied closely together, obviously, with thou shall not take the Lord's name in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So that's a very important aspect in answer prayers. And I hope that I know many of you will look at this and say, well, this is a review that you already know these things, right? But sometimes we let down in prayer. Sometimes we need a jump start, so to speak, to get back and more fervently being able to pray. So by using And reviewing these things and going over some of these principles, it will help us. And I say to you, try it and see. See if it helps you get going in your prayer make them more effective. Here in Exodus, the 20th chapter, we'll start with the commandment in Exodus 20. In Exodus, the 20th chapter, Exodus 20 and verse 7, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord your God, and uh, excuse me, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So it's very, very important. Uh, again, closely connected to what Jesus Christ said in the model prayer. Uh, instead of um, taking God's name in vain, what should we do? Well, obviously, Christ said we should hallow it. So in one sense, the third commandment tells us what not to do, and the uh, model prayer shows us, as Christ revealed, uh, what we should do. Notice this in Exodus uh, 20, leading up to the third uh, um, commandment. The Lord, our God, spoke all these words, saying, verse 1, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And, uh, you know... Here we read about who God is, and God, of course, uh, was revealing Himself to the children of Israel, and uh, the children of Israel could see, obviously, remember who really brought them out, and uh, what a blessing, or how God would bring them out, and how what a blessing it would be, and how God did at this point in time had brought them out. And anyway, you have no, you shall have no other gods before me. Again, reiterating uh the the obvious truth there's just only one god uh but they were con- they had been in Egypt they had many gods there so there's only one and uh, so we find that we when it talks about the lord here the lord god uh is the ever-living one the one through whom god created all things and without without beginning without ending one who keeps the everlasting covenant with his people and genesis 21 verse 33 we know defines the tetragrammaton you know the yhvh the everlasting god and uh, so we we see the great god and uh, here the lord the ever living one identifying himself and it goes on and says you shall not the third commandment you shall not or excuse me the second uh, commandment you shall not make uh First of all, the first commandment: You shall have no other gods before me. So there's this direct revelation that God is number one, and we we are to worship God directly. And then number two, you shall not make for yourself, or you shall you shall not make for yourself any carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or the earth beneath, or the waters under the earth. So we're to worship God correctly. And secondly, people must guard against idolatry, Uh, you know, worshiping an idol or some, a representation of God or a picture of God or, as we know, of Christ. I remember in the first grade, my teacher had on the wall a picture of, of what she thought was Jesus. And she would walk around and she would say, No matter where you are in the room, those eyes follow you. And I thought, oh, no, you know, you know, do, 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 do. You know, I thought this is really weird, you know. But I looked at the eyes, and they didn't move when I walked around, and I was thankful that they didn't, you know. But anyway, you know, that was years and years ago, and it would be a while um, before we would be in the church, but around 1958, my dad began hearing Mr. Armstrong out of um, out of New York on the radio, and uh, our life began to change dramatically. And by 1965, we were my parents were were baptized. And uh, but at any rate, here we find, and uh, as we were being taught in God's Church, learning more about God's commandments, and we got that booklet on the Ten Commandments. You shall not bow down to them. So it's not necessarily wrong to have a picture. Some think stop right here and they say, well, you can't have a picture. You can't have uh, something that is artistic or architectural or whatever. No, it's talking about you shall not bow down to them. It's It's the use or purpose of that picture. So you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those that hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, when it says that the Lord your God is a jealous God, think about it for a moment. The great God of the universe, he has the only right way. His laws are true. His word has been tried and purified seven times. There is the right way, and God has it. He has all power. He is holy and righteous and pure. He has the perfect thoughts and, and um his his mind and his will is is perfect in its totality. And uh, infinite wisdom, infinite. Knowledge and understanding and on and on we go and knowing that God knows these things and knows that his way is right. uh, This word would be better translated and I've seen it translated differently instead of jealous. uh, God is zealous for his name's sake. He knows it works and he wants all of his people to understand that it works. And he's zealous and wants people to know that and uh, have people know that knowledge and to understand it. And in the future, you know, you read time and time again in prophecy where it says, And then you shall know that I am the Lord. God wants everyone to have that knowledge. And what a great knowledge that is. So beginning in our walk in God's way of life in 1965, we were really, we were on the fast track. We we under, we began to understand things as a result of being in God's church and, and uh, being taught God's way of life. And we began to see uh, what God was revealing here. And when we come down to um, um, verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Uh, n- number number 7, my verse 7 that is, but the, the third uh, commandment, uh, for the Lord God will not hold you guiltless, you know, we see that God's name has many mean, meanings. We sh- we don't want to take it in vain. Now, our concept at that time was you shouldn't curse. I mean, I'm out in the field there, just missed a softball fly that had been hit and and uh, made a euphemistic call on it. And uh, I think back at that and think, oh, how much I had to learn and, and how much... I was going to learn and how, what a joy it was being in God's church. What a joy it is to be with God's people. People of like minds. People who also learning to hollow and to revere, to respect God's name. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Well, it's more to it than just cursing. It's part of it. But there's more to this. So here we see God has a name, but he has many names. We also see that a name has meaning in the Bible. Abram was changed to Abraham, the father of many nations. You know, Sarai was changed to Sarah. And we see other names changed with great meaning. Simon was changed to Cephas or Peter, meaning stone. And many names you'll see in the Bible that have show and refer to great, great meaning. So God has many names. We know um, Jesus Christ. One of His names is Yahweh Rofika, the God that heals, and many, many other names that that God has and Jesus Christ has. And it describes a name in the Bible, in the term, in uh, in the context of God's names. Describes God's divine attributes, His divine character. We read uh, in Daniel the fourth chapter, Daniel the fourth chapter, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, back here to Daniel, and the fourth chapter, and verse 34, here King Nebuchadnezzar makes a rather <clears throat> astonishing, you know, Um, statement here but this he learned some lessons he learned a big lesson after God turned him into a beast and then he came out of it and uh, restored in verse 34 at that at the end of that time that those seven years I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up my eyes to heaven my understanding returned to me and I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion And his kingdom is from generation to generation. Here, a a pagan, carnal, Gentile king making this admission and showing how great God is. His dominion, an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, you know, oh, what have you done? You know, what's going on here? You know, God is so great and all powerful. And here this carnal king wrote and described what he knew, what God had revealed to him. Verse 37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extolled and honor the king of heaven. And all his works are truth. His ways justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to abase. How powerful our great God is. Do we think about these things? Do we sometimes have an opportunity to sit and think and meditate? How big and how great and how powerful, how awesome our God is. He is almighty God. And all of us here, we understand that He owns us. We no longer belong to ourselves. God has paid a tremendous price. We are bought with a price. The price of His only begotten Son and His shed blood and what a, what a powerful and awesome and big price that was. And not only for us, but for all mankind. It goes on and on and it's just amazing and uh, humbling to think of what and how much love God has for all of us, He is our life giver, our redeemer, our law giver. His perfect laws, as I mentioned earlier, wonderful laws and statutes and judgments. Many people today are, are, are that are into biology and other aspects of disease control realize, begin to, beginning to realize just how relevant. God's statutes of hygiene and cleanliness and clean and unclean how, how valuable they are and one uh, person said that if if uh, the the world would follow just some of those uh, principles, seventy to eighty percent of all disease would be eliminated. And that is a shocking statement but it just shows how how um, powerful, how knowledgeable, how wise our great God is. He's the greatest giver. you ever think about that? God, our Father, is the greatest giver. He drew us and introduced us to Jesus Christ. He gave us His only begotten Son for the forgiveness of our past sins. He's the greatest giver, and on top of that, He gives us His Holy Spirit, the power by which we can really understand the deep and profound things of His Word. Do you know the difference between a calling your calling and conversion, do you know there's a difference? And God made has made that possible. He's the greatest giver. And he has made sure that when we are called, of course, that we have a place to go. And what a blessing, again, that we have God's church and that we can become converted. You know, it's a miracle to be called, to have your mind open. You know, you go to these tomorrow's world presentations, you see people there and they talk as like we're we've known each other forever. They know and are under beginning to understand the truth. They're coming along. Their their eyeballs are, you know, bright eyed and and they're wide and they're so grateful, many of them. Some are you know, it's kinda going over their head and they're they don't they're wondering why they're there, you know. But a lot of people there are are really interested. And you can see that God is working with them, pulling, you know, drawing them to help them to understand. But then they have to change. They have to make that step toward baptism. I have this Kodak picture in my mind. You know, you know what a Kodak is. You know, people used to use these Kodak cameras and cameras. That's back. They just after we got off the, the Noah's Ark, you know, this. Uh, but. You see, uh, Kodak made these little cameras, and they still have them today, but Fuji and Japan took over the film industry, and now we got digital. So very few people remember these things. But we used to have Kodak cameras, take Kodak pictures. Well, I have this picture of my dad sitting at the dining room table, and he's got his hand like this, gray hair. He's in his 50s. We're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. By this time, it's 62, 63, and he had this look with tears kind of welling up in his eyes. He had now come to the point where he saw the truth. His eyes were open. It scared him. It really did. In fact, when he first saw it while he was praying, he closed the Bible quickly. It scared him half to death. He really understood the truth. And he began to know and understand that he had to fish or cut bait, as we say. He had to do something. He had to put legs on what he was learning. And he knew he had to make some changes. He had to give up those cigarettes, which he did. But I tell you, that was a big leap, a leap of faith. It's a miracle to be called. It is an additional miracle, a wonderful miracle to ultimately make that step to surrender and to be converted, to receive God's Spirit. And uh, it was a great blessing for me to be there when my parents were baptized. I remember it well. And uh, when they came up, there were tears of joy and uh, just a very special moment in time. That doesn't mean uh, that was just the beginning. That doesn't mean things were perfect from then on out. No, there were a lot of trials and tests and challenges But what a miracle to have your mind open. What a miracle to begin changing and being transformed, to becoming more converted year after year. God is the greatest giver. He imparts His Holy Spirit that makes that possible. He knows our frame. He knows us down to the very marrow of the bone. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. He knows the very number of hairs on our head. And it's his good pleasure to give us his kingdom. God wants us to inherit eternal life. He's pulling for us. He's he's doing all he can to make it possible. He's giving us powerful messages and incredible articles coming out of headquarters that just resonate and, and galvanize the minds and the hearts of God's people In our area, for sure, and I'm sure around the world. I mean, it's just amazing. People comment about it. They say, wow, every time, boom, boom, boom. Uh, They can't wait to get the magazine. They can't wait to read the good news, the living church news. So um, it is such a dynamic going on in God's church and uh, such a great blessing. And we read back now and uh, turn with me to. Exodus the 20th chapter once again in verse 7 it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And the word take has the connotation of carrying it. And my, my dad told my brothers before we were in the church up in North Carolina where we were living at the time when they were in high school, they had to have a car to go to school. So he said, you carry the hall name. You need to carry that carefully and respectfully and realize that people are watching you. You don't want to do anything that will bring shame upon the family. And then one day, uh, as they were getting close to graduation from high school, one of the ladies or one of the neighbors or friends came up and told my parents, you know, your children, your sons have really been quite an a example. They, they know how to drive a car. They don't creel around and uh, careen around and and they don't uh, act up and uh, act foolhardy. They seem like very upstanding and uh, respectful uh, young men. Well, that was (laughs) that was really inspiring. My dad said, are you sure you got the right sons? (laughs) But uh, anyway, it was uh, very inspiring to my parents to hear that. No, we don't want to bring shame upon the family. Well, same way, likewise, even in a greater way, in a more profound way. We don't want to bring shame upon God's people in the church. We're not to t- carry or take God's name in vain. And so we're carrying the name of God. We're called by God's name. We're, we are begotten sons of God. And we don't want to t- carry or take God's name in a profane or empty manner. Um, we notice in Leviticus um Leviticus 11 19 uh, chapter I'll turn there right quick Leviticus 19 and uh, in verse 12 it says and you shall not swear by my name falsely nor shall you profane the name of your god I am the Lord I am the as we know the ever living one the one who keeps covenant and promise forever and lives forever, the ever-living one. And uh, so God wants us to carry his name, and God will not hold him guiltless. The word guiltless means clean. God does not want us to um, take his name in a profane way, in an unclean way, or a common way. God will not hold us clean who takes his name in vain. And taking God's name in vain means to carry God's name in a profane or empty manner with no substance to it. So a person can call themselves a Christian but not behave like a Christian. There are those in the world that claim to be a Christian, but obviously uh, they they act like something else, like the devil himself during the week and then come back on their day of worship on Sunday and uh, pretend to be a Christian. Calling themselves a Christian. In other words, uh, chapter 20, verse 7, when it's in Exodus here, the third commandment, taking God's name in vain, has a lot to do with one's conduct, how we behave, how we act, how we follow God's way. And this is what, uh, of course, uh, caused Moses and Aaron. To lose out and going into the promised land because they forgot, or at least because of exasperation, they lost control, and Moses did not obey the Lord. Instead of doing exactly what God said to do, he did something else, and he did not hallow God's name. He did not exalt the name of God. He did not point the bread, or the children of Israel, and all of them were gathered around watching this, and he did not point them in the way he should have. What are we doing? Are we really following God's way of life? Are we really uh, obeying God and keeping his commandments like we should? Well, we read in Isaiah, the 48th chapter, Isaiah 48, more insights into this topic. Isaiah 48, Isaiah 48. and verse 1 it says hear this o house of jacob who are called by the name of israel and have come forth from the well springs of judah who swear by the name of the lord and make mention of god of israel but not in truth or in righteousness you see if we are going to use the name of god if we're going to pray to god and hallow his name if we're going, if we're not going to take his name in vain then we must use God's name in truth and in righteousness. Or as Christ said, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. God looks right down to the heart, down to the in, innermost part of our being. He sees our thoughts. He knows what we have need of even before we ask. That's how great and awesome our God is. So in summarizing these these uh, points so far, we're, we're to exalt and extolled. God's greatness and His power and His majesty. We're, we're to reverence Him and fear Him and stand in awe and thank Him for all of His benefits. You, you recognize uh, that psalm in Psalms 103 where it says, uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul. We almost have it memorized. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Notice that. Bless his holy name. When we are giving thanks for all of God's blessings, when we are talking about God's great uh, uh, blessings, oh, wow, you're talking about what God is doing. His, His name represents what he is and his purpose. It represents his character. It represents his way of life. Oh, bless the eternal, oh, my soul, and all that is with me, King David prayed here. Bless his holy name. He knew that there was power in that name. And uh, so we exalt, we want to exalt God and his greatness. We know that the first uh, few commandments there talk about how great God is. There's only one God. And then we come down to his name and we realize that our hearts and minds must be clean. If we're coming before God in prayer, we must be humble and have this humility and humble attitude and surrender. It takes thought. It takes time to think about it. And, you know, God looked at Moses and what he did as a lack of faith. You didn't believe me, God says. You didn't believe what I told you. And you, you, when we read there in, in Numbers the 20th chapter, so we must believe in God, and we must not only believe God, but we must believe in His will. We must know and understand that will, and then know that that will must be done. Because Moses became exasperated, he forgot that, that was not, did not come to mind, and it was referred to, or at least described as, lack of faith. And rebellion of all things before God. And what a lesson. But what a lesson for all of us. We see that now and we're able to learn from Moses' mistakes. But again, God forgave him. But that there was a consequence. And for the sake of the children of Israel who witnessed that, you know, that had to be dealt with. And God did not allow them to go into the land of promise. But they will be, obviously, in the kingdom. In Matthew the seventh chapter, Matthew the seventh chapter, I remember a lady years ago talking with her, and she said, "I have my rights." We were talking about something, and I was explaining a little bit about God's way of life, and she said, "Well, I have my rights." And I said, "Well, that's interesting. You know, that's that's a kind of a." Um, uh, we hear that often today. You know, well, we have our rights based upon the Constitution of the United States. Well, that only goes so far. If we no longer belong to ourselves and we belong to God, it's no longer our rights. Uh, God has the right, and we belong to God, our Father in heaven, and Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's no longer our rights, it's God's will. So in Matthew, the seventh chapter, Matthew 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven. So here are people, at least in this uh, instruction here, would be people and are people today who use the name. But they're not doing God's will. What a contrast. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And I've occasionally, you know, going around the channels um, on uh, not spending a lot of time on that. But anyway, I'd go around and I'd see certain uh, uh, ministers on, on, on TV. They'd be talking about prophecy. I just wondered if they'd been listening to Mr. Armstrong back in the day and now the Living Church of God, how they're. Oh, somewhat close to what we're saying. They're talking about prophecy, talking about end time events. Uh, They're not accurate, of course, but nonetheless, they'll be saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And a person would say, wow, that is, how could God not be working with them, you know, but hear what, hear the answer. And they, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, God knows what they're doing behind the scenes. He knows they're not keeping His commandments. They're doing it for other reasons, whatever they are doing, which is not much, but uh, they're doing something that appears to be righteous, but really not. Here in Matthew, the 15th chapter, we read, These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So you see, just using, uh, you know, just uh, praising God with our lips up and by itself, no, we, we've got to have substance to that. And that substance, of course, is doing, brethren, what you are wanting to do, what you have been doing, and that is obeying God and thinking about uh um, God's greatness and power and putting into practice this love for one another and serving one another. In vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines, the commandments of men. The ideas and the philosophies of men is what the world is teaching. But God's people are following and doing and obeying what God says. God has created a series of works that we can do. Things that we have that we have been commanded to do, be a part of, and one of them is what we're doing on the Sabbath, and that, of course, is fellowship. We come together, and we're able to, you know, bend one, uh, you know, we're able to, you know, get past the weather and talk about God's way of life. <laughs> the thought comes to my mind uh, we were standing around after services in uh, Atlanta one day, and uh, one of the one of the deacons. Came up, and we were just talking, and uh, he said, "Well, you won't believe what happened." And we said, "Well, what what went on? What's what's going on?" And he said, "Well, uh, he got this. Uh, he told the story how this um, they had a manager's meeting. The manager came to Atlanta, and uh, the deacon had this company car, drove it there, and they had a nice meal at the restaurant. And everything was going great, very positive. And at the end of the meal, the manager gave him a pink slip." you're fired. Give me the keys. Cold as cold can be. Took his keys in the car and you're fired. And he had been doing an extraordinary job in that business. Well, the CEO, the owner of the company found out about how the deacon was treated. And he called him up and he said, we're sorry that the manager handled it this way. That's not the way to do it. We we do have to make cutbacks, but we'll give you the car as a, um, a bonus. You know, so he at least got the car back. But now he had to go hunt for a job, and he went and he was looking for a job, and wringing uh, his hands, praying about it, really pouring his heart out, fasting, and uh, finally he got a job, and it, within two weeks, and. So we're all listening. We're really attentive. We're all gathered around listening to the story. And he landed a job with a German company that makes batteries for these forklifts. You know, they work in these big, huge warehouses that cover acres and acres. So these these batteries are very special. And it's a specialized market. And anyway, he went to work for them. He's a salesman, sales rep. Well, within the first month or so, He sold a particular contract for a company or to a company for ten million dollars. Ten million dollars. The company president and the officers of the company were astonished Uh, this was the total amount of money they would make an entire year, but This deacon sold this one contract for $10 million. And uh, the deacon laughed. and He says, you won't believe this, but this was during or just after our third tithe year. Can you imagine? Well, naturally, that was so inspiring. It's inspiring for me to tell the story again. You know, I just I just it's just phenomenal. But you see, he obeyed and has been obeying what God said to do that God told him tells, tells all of us to tithe and to you know put God first like we heard in in the uh, sermonette and how we carry God's name and God if we trust in him trust in his name he's going to perform these miracles and intervene and do for us what we can't do for ourselves and here God bless this uh, deacon and he's doing quite well and doing well uh, since that time there there are several points i like to share number 1 exalt and extol the great god that we worship how great he is and exalt him and we know we are to give deep and profound respect and to fear him to thank him for all of his benefits and i say to you this is extremely important if you want to have an effective prayer, to be doing this on a regular basis. It may not happen to the same extent every time, but it's something we need to remember when we pray. This works. It really is helpful and invaluable. Secondly, we we must analyze and think about what's going on in our hearts and minds. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I pray... Uh, my mind will sometimes jump, uh, you know, like a grasshopper—gaboin, gaboin, and ka-boing. You know, you've got all these thoughts going through your mind, and uh, things you got to do, and then you realize that you're not—you're not putting your mind to what you're thinking about and praying. And I got to thinking about that. I wonder what God thinks when He hears my prayers. Uh, you know what? What does a parent think when a two-year-old is talking to them? You know, ninu, nanu, da, you know, maybe they're talking more intelligently than I did, but <laughs> that, you know, a parent, Oh, it's very cute, real sweet little comments a little child's trying to make, you know, and, uh, but when we're praying to God, are we praying with our heart and mind, and are our hearts and mind concentrating? Are we, are, are our minds clean? Is there anything cutting us off or holding us back, such as a particular sin or something that might be, you know, nagging at us we haven't really repented of or thought about? Have we humbled ourselves and surrendered ourselves? Do we really realize who we're coming before? That, that's what's at issue. Do we really recognize and think for a moment before whom we're coming? It's a big question and a big area. It's helpful. It's really helpful to think about that and how great and awesome God is. Another Scripture that to me is really powerful. I don't know if I can find it or not, but it's in Psalms. Let's see. Psalms. <clears throat> Let's see. Yes, Psalms 113, Psalms 113, and verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations, and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are are in heaven and in earth? He has to humble himself to look on the earth and in heaven and think about we're, we're, we're the human beings down here on the planet, but it hum, he has to humble himself to look on the earth, how, and we're much smaller than the earth. So it's, it's really uh, puts things in perspective. Another perspective, I've heard this, uh, analogy before, but we, we know that we're, so much of us are made out of dirt and so much of us are water, 70% is water, apparently, you know. Just depending on how large we are, but basically we're just a ball of mud, right? We're just a, a mud ball down here on this planet. And one ball mud mud ball looks to another mud ball bud and says, "My mud ball this is better looking than your mud ball, you know, or my mud ball is stronger than your mud ball. Well, i I'm, my mud ball is more intelligent than your mud. We're just a bunch of mud, mud balls, you know, temporary physical human beings." And God wants us to remember that and remember that he's the one who created us, not we ourselves. And so we come before God and we are wanting to exalt him and to establish that relationship there. And then to make sure, secondly, our hearts and minds are clean and humble, surrendered, that we are focused Mr. Weston mentioned to the ministry, he said he reads the Bible before he reads a little bit of the Bible before he prays. And I found that to be extremely helpful. It's, it's really where you get your mind in the right frame. And I thought that was very, very insightful among many things that have been said. But um, second, you know, the heart and minds must be clean. And then. Notice this in Matthew, the fifth chapter, Matthew five, another aspect. We have to be careful, circumspect and, you know, treat the holy things of God with with reverence and respect. Matthew, the fifth chapter, Matthew five or verse 30, 34, it says, but I say to you, do not swear at all. In other words, there was a habit that people had of swearing. And today we have, you know, swear upon the Bible, you know, at a court setting. And we know we don't have to do that. We have a, There are laws that allow us to just simply say, I affirm. I've been asked to swear many times in a legal situation. Uh, normally it's a jury duty, and I've been able to get out of it. And they ask me, do you swear? And I said, no, I, but... I would like to affirm. Oh, that's okay. We have that right here. I affirm. And uh, so anyway, you have heard it said, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is the footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Nor shall you swear by your head, and that would include the chinny-chin-chin, chin, right? The uh, Disney uh, three pigs you know, story. Because you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, for whatever mo- is more of these is from the evil one. It's been said that swearing comes from a weak vocabulary and a shallow mind. And it's true. And God's people, of course, are developing a strong vocabulary in God's Word and a strong mind—the mind of Jesus Christ. So we we got to watch, and we read elsewhere here, in Matthew the twenty-third chapter, Matthew twenty-three, and verse nine: "Do not call anyone on earth your father." See that it's not talking about a our dad and mom, you know. We, we see that used um, in scripture from time to time, and it 's not wrong, but in terms of referring to another human being as as a religious father, um, do not call anyone on earth your father now the apostle Paul said he through the gospel would begot, or begotten or had begotten children actually. Of course, God doing the begetting, but certainly using the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul was not referred to as a father or reverend or any such name. So we don't call anyone on earth our father. For one is your father who is in heaven. And that's that's the point. So we uh, watch how we refer to uh, individuals. Do not be called teachers. Uh, for one is your teacher, uh, the Christ And he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. There are blasphemous titles that we are very much aware of, such as Pope, which means Papa, or Pontifus Maximus, which was the name of the pagan emperor of Rome. Pontifus Maximus. Can you imagine? That's the title that the Pope takes, Pontifus Maximus. Um, or it's a pagan title of, uh, that used to be given to the Caesars, Pope, Papa, Holy Father. All of those things are blasphemous. Then you have, uh, I've heard in the, in, in the um, Protestant uh, churches, reverend. Sometimes people will call the minister in God's church reverend. That is, outside, you know, doing a funeral or whatnot. We say, no, no, we're not reverend. Uh, or they refer to one another as most reverend. That is in the uh, Protestant uh, environment, or most holy reverend, or most holy right reverend. Well, how how far can you go? Well, they go really way out on the end and calling each other uh, most reverend, but it's the exact opposite. They're the most wretched. I mean, we you know we you know what I'm saying. So the blasphemous titles um, we do not ascribe to. It says in Psalms 11, 111 verse 9, Holy and reverend is God's name. That's who we want to revere. So in Luke the eleven chapter, Luke 11, again Jesus Christ giving the model prayer in this gospel as well. Luke 11, Luke the eleven chapter, and Verse 2 says, he said to them, and it's kind of interesting because here were disciples who were asking Jesus Christ how to pray, and we wanted to know how to pray. It was obvious that things were being accomplished in God's church, and they had a different approach, and it was working, and what we were doing wasn't working, and here the disciples had been in Judaism, and they heard the Pharisees pray, and then they saw what Christ was doing, They saw that was working. And they wanted Christ to teach them as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And he said, when you pray, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Dr. Meredith mentions in the booklet on the effect of prayer, how all these combine or connected together. That our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, are all, all interconnected and a part of the same. It's all about God's greatness, His power, and His coming kingdom. And of course the prayer ends, uh, we read in uh, Matthew's account, um, for yours is the kingdom. And the power and the glory forever and ever. So I like to think of it as the kingdom prayer in one sense. And it's all about the great God in heaven who is preparing us for his kingdom. And what should be on our mind and how we carry God's name. It, it it, It carries great meaning. Hallow here means to set apart as holy. Something very simple. Depicting God's power, his authority, his righteousness, his purpose, his great mercy. Oh, how merciful our great God is. Oh, you know, you get older and you live a little bit and you begin to think about how merciful, how awesome God's mercy is. Mr. Armstrong would talk about how merciful God had been in his life. How God doesn't give up on us. We can make mistakes and we can see those things and overcome them and change. And God does not hold us against us. We hold it against us. He knows we're, we need help. You know, we need mercy. And He's willing to give, forgive us if we truly and sincerely repent. And He has the power, you see, to heal, to redeem, to save. What a great God we have. It's a great honor. To be able to say our Father. To be able to have this personal uh, contact with God in heaven. It's not some nebulous thing, but He is our Father. some Someone we have a connection with, a, a bond. It's an expression of love to be able to say our Father. His will be done. And one final point I'd like to bring out is as well, as God's name carries authority. God's name carries authority. And we are told and given the privilege and benefit and blessing, I guess you could say the authority in one sense, that we're to go before God boldly. Go before God boldly before the throne of grace. What a great blessing that is and uh, we need to spend time thinking about when we do pray we're magnifying God and when we do pray we can go boldly before the throne of grace and Col- uh, Colossians the third chapter it gives us some thoughts in terms of the authority that God has given us the name bears authority and you know when we Pray, we normally say, in Jesus' name, according to God's will and according to Christ's authority, that we are able to ask these things according to the will of God, in Jesus' name, according to God's will, you see, and according to the authority that God has given us. So you can pray and ask for God's Spirit in Jesus' name. You have that right, you have that benefit, that blessing, uh, that particular Approval from God, and ask for it. Christ said, "You know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit?" So we can go for it. You know, here in Colossians uh, three, and verse seventeen, it says, beginning of verse sixteen, "Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, teaching and admonishing one another in." Uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, do in word or deed and do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the name of God represents his authority. The church has been given authority and to the leaders under Christ. And as members, we have a certain authority and power. We're given authority to pray in Jesus' name and to come boldly. We're, we've been given authority to forgive one another. To go before God and ask God to forgive so-and-so for stepping on your toes, you know. We've been given the authority to go and do what it says in Matthew, the 18th chapter. To go to your brother and reconcile. And in fact, in uh, 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, if you were to suffer to be defrauded, you've been given the authority. Oh, that's okay. You, You have that authority. You can suffer and for Christ's name's sake to help that person, you know, while you're trying to reconcile, you know, you may suffer to be defrauded in order to help him and ultimately to forgive him. You, you and I have been given authority. If we see a need, we can serve, we can intervene, we can help that person. Some of those situations, you may certainly talk to your pastor, but many people see a need and they want to serve and they see it and they take care of it right then and there and give a person a ride to services or somehow see them and take care of them when they're sick. See, we have that power, that authority, and we're to love one another. We've been given God's Spirit, and in Christ's name, carrying the name of Christ, we can go and serve one another and share the fruits of God's Spirit. We've been given uh, the knowledge and the understanding of those things that God has revealed to the church and uh, that others don't know. We've been given that authority to know those secrets, the mysteries, the coming future times ahead that have been given to the church to know. It's a privilege, brethren, to be a part of the greatest work on earth. There's nothing greater than the work of God. I can't think of it. There's nothing any greater than God's work and what God is doing in his church. I'll conclude with this thought here. So remember these points and remember, hopefully, the sermon has been able to magnify just two very simple points not taking the name of god in vain and also being proactive and hallowing god's name and how it will affect affect your prayer life you know when parents are talking sometimes in the kitchen they'll be talking maybe as my parents did on occasion they'd be talking about the children children have radar ears they're listening and they hear their name you can mention their name you know and they're in another room and and they'll say, are you talking about me? You know, and they'll, you know, they'll listen. They'll hear parents talking in a positive way. And they, the children love to hear their parents compliment them. They, you know, the good things. And uh, talk about things, how they're doing better, et cetera. Or maybe what a teacher may have sent home, a note. Well, here we read how God listens. God listens to what the children are saying. Saying about Him. Malachi 3 and verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. Here on the Sabbath, God is listening. He's hearing how you are describing his name. And you are talking about how God has intervened, how God has moved in your life. Things have happened. And you see God's hand, literally you see God's hand working with you individually. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord, who meditate on his name. So, brethren, let's meditate on the name of God. Let's remember, hallowed be God's name.